a life changer! It certainly feels death-defying! Speaking of death-defying, you know what would happen if something tragic happened today? What? Like if the shoe didn't deploy! What are you talking about? A malfunction, Joe! Like, let's say I pass out before the shoe doesn't deploy! I know what would happen to me when I hit the dirt! What about you? The Earth is coming! The ground's coming for all of us, Joe! We're hurling from heaven to Earth! That's exactly what Jesus did, Joe! When do you deploy the chute? When you decide that life after death is a viable conversation! Ah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah, Joe! Joe? Oh, you're praying. Okay. Awesome! Woo! <laughs> Wow, that was an evangelism fail. Well, this morning we're wrapping up our series, This Is Up, with This Is Us, This Is Up, yeah, This Is Us, uh, and it's all about sharing our lives with others. And uh, as we unpack this, we're going to use an old word, and that's called evangelism, and or evangelical, those kinds of ideas. And uh, what's, what's kind of a tragedy about the word evangelical is, in a sense, it's been hijacked. And it is so much more than a political voting block. And so sometimes on the news you hear white evangelical, da 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 da. It's so much more than that. And I hate the fact that uh, we're kind of limited by that. If you're talking with somebody from a, a different point of view, you've almost got to overcome that hurdle to get to Jesus. And the two shouldn't be so tied together. Uh, it should be, I'm a follower of Jesus, and this is uh, evangelism, this is evangelical, but it's so tied together, it really, really gets hard with those kinds of things. And for example, even this uh, little uh, vignette from Saturday Night Live from a few months ago just conveys that we're getting tagged with a political movement that maybe some of us are involved with, but faith is so much beyond that. It's Weekend Update with Colin Jost. Michael Chang. Experts say that one of the biggest obstacles to herd immunity is that many white evangelical Christians are refusing the vaccine. And look, evangelical Christians, I know you guys want to get into heaven, but it's not a race. <laughs> and then he goes on. Some of us go, ooh, I hate that. I don't even like joking about that. But that's the reality. Our, our faith, our label to some degree has been hijacked. And when I'm trying to, let's say, point cr to Christ, when I'm trying to do this thing, we'll define in a couple minutes this thing called evangelism, when I'm trying to do that, or that's a part of my conversations, uh, some of the folks are coming from a completely different political view, and I've got to, like, overcome that. I've got to, like, not, not apologize for views, but I've just got to navigate that through. And it's almost like that stops them from getting to the part to talk about Jesus. It stops them from me being able to, in a sense, evangelize. And you notice the word evangelism, there's angel in the middle of it, and that's the idea of messenger. 
Uh, sometimes those of us who are familiar with the book of Revelation uh, see the messenger of this or the angel of this city, this town, that kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, there's some uh, discussion about whether it is angel or it was messenger as the pastor of those areas. So the idea of evangelism, the idea of sharing your life, sharing your faith is a part of what we as Christ followers need to be a part. And really evangelism in this Evangelism is sharing the good news. On our opening video regarding Operation Christmas Child, you heard the word gospel used a lot of times. Gospel, good news, same idea, same word. And as we think about that and we think about how we, in a sense, get the good news out, how we share our lives, uh, you know, and digest that, uh, we see it, see it in places around us. Like sometimes you're watching a sporting event and you see like John 3.16 on everything. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like a step in that direction. A lot of folks don't even really understand what that's about. But again, that verse uh, kind of capsulates uh, what we think about faith. And it's a good starting point when we start talking. about that. But again, if we're going to share, you know, that that's, that's a part of it. And uh, we can see that in, um, am I stuck here? Can you advance the next slide? I think I'm uh, having a technical meltdown. Nothing's moving. Yes, thank you. Uh, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed, but by believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. You see, that's the good news. The good news that God loved the world so much that he gave his son to make things right, to pay the price of our sin, our disobedience, so that no one needs to be destroyed. And we kind of sometimes like to tippy-toe around the idea of destroyed, because what does that mean? And yes, it's separation from God for eternity. It's a Christless eternity, but that means hell. And we don't like to talk about hell because it's such a, you know, just uncomfortable, but, but that's reality. Jesus speaks of hell numerous times in the Newer Testament. And so trusting in him, believing in him, putting the weight of our life, our forgiveness on him is the idea that we will not be destroyed. And then anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Next slide, please. And then verse 17, it says, God didn't go to all this trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. And I just, I love that part. Because it reminds me that um, he didn't come to, you know, to, um, he didn't come to condemn us. He came to point us in the right direction. And he didn't come to judge us. He came to set us right. And then we have the good news here is the good news is this. Anyone who can have a personal relationship with God because of Jesus, that will carry them into eternity when this life is over. And that is just fantastic. So when you think about faith in Christ, it begins in the here and now. He starts to put the pieces of our life together. We start to lean on him. And as we lean on him, we discover that he is, he is just uh, the one we can do that. And life begins and it works on, um, I've got to fix something here real quick here. 
can tell I'm off a little bit. No. I don't know if the internet went down. But anyway, so you know, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the good news. And there are these verses that talk about how it took off in the early churches. People pointed to Christ. There were added that day about 3,000 souls. The number of men came to about 5,000. All the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. At this time, the disciples were increasing in number. It just continues to go on. There was power in this good news. And you and I need to think about the good news that we have if we've said yes to Christ and how we can project that, how we can point that. Now, there's two great phrases, and some of us are very familiar with us. Some of this may sound a little new, but there is the great commandment. And the great commandment is a part of this good news. It's a part of expressing it. It's a part of living it. And this is what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and of the prophets hang on these two commandments. When Jesus says this, he's saying the Older Testament, that first portion of the Bible, is the law and the prophets. All of that information, all of those systems, all of those ideas hang on the idea of loving God and then loving others. And then when we get to the Newer Testament, we see that really everything in the New Testament is all about applying those two concepts, about loving God and then loving others. You go to any verse, you go say, what does this say to me about why I should love God and love others? And as you start to unpack that more, you're going to see that when you love God, you automatically move to the place where you love others and it shows up in your life. And that really is what gets the juices flowing. That's really uh, what attracts other people's attention is this idea is this is how everyone will recognize that you're one of my disciples. This is Jesus speaking. When they see the love you have for each other. And that, that's what gets it. You know, some of us uh, know all these details, all these theological things, and that's important. It's good to know, but it's not some new theological truth that grabs the normal person's attention. It's the fact that you have love in your life, and you're projecting that to others. And in this day and age where everyone's wound up as tight as they can be, love is a fantastic thing because you're in these pressure cooker scenarios and everyone's up to here and little things make them snap that wouldn't have made them snap two years ago. And when you bring love, it de-escalates everything and it points to Christ. He says, this is how people will know you are mine. This is evangelism. This is getting the good news out. Then there's also this idea of the Great Commission, and this Great Commission is sharing that news. So you have the Great Commandment, and when we do that, then we want to share it with others. Now, whenever you, now, wherever you go, make disciples of all nations. That means everybody out there, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means identifying, going public, that they say, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. And two weeks from now, we will be having a baptism service, and the people that are getting baptized are saying, I am a follower of Christ. I may not be perfect at it, but I am declaring that's where my allegiance, I'm on that road, I'm going in that direction. And teach them faithfully all that I've commanded you. 
Love God, love others, and the expression of that. And never forget that I am with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. And that last thought, I think, is so important. Some of us who are uh, followers of Christ wonder why God doesn't kind of like show up more in our life. Why is our faith stale? Why does it just seem, ugh, what, what's going on? And some of it is because you and I aren't into the family business. And the family business is the Great Commission. And what Jesus is saying is when you are into the family business of spreading the good news, of evangelism, of getting that message out, the gospel, then you're going to see me showing up in your situations. When you're moving in that direction, I'm going to be right alongside you because I have to be. Because me working in, or you, someone coming to faith in me, someone trusting, I've got to be a part of that process. It's just not you. It's me. But as you're doing that, then all of a sudden you see God showing up in your life. And I know for myself, when I start off a day thinking about being involved with a great commandment and the great commission, and I look at my days, it's going to unfold, and I know some things, I don't know everything. You know, when I start off the day and I go, I want to point to you in all kinds of situations, all of a sudden things show up that I didn't expect or did expect, and, and, and I start pushing, and I'm aware of God's presence. Sometimes I'm sharing the good news, the gospel, those ideas, and to me, it does not sound really that great. It's not that eloquent. It, it sounds a little crazy. I'm going, this person's really, you know, you know, eating this up. And all this, I go, Real, why are they doing that? Because God is a part of the process. And it's so fantastic. So if you are looking at your faith and you've been a Christ follower for a little while or a long while, and you're saying, why isn't God a part of my life? I would at least ask the question, am I a part of the family business? Am I getting the good news out? Because if I'm not living that way, if not pointing to that way, then, then he doesn't say he's going to show up in your day-to-day routines because you're kind of doing your own thing. You're not doing his thing. So this idea of moving in that direction. Now, when it comes to um, how that looks, we'll, we'll talk about that in a few moments, but how do we actually do that? We're all wired differently, uh, but we all have different unique opportunities that are, in a sense, catered to us. In Ephesians, we read that God has prepared in advance for us to do good works. And that advance to do good works is this idea of pointing out the gospel, the good news. And so these are all in order, and that's for everybody. It's not just for, um, it's just not for the pastor, the missionary, the super spiritual, wherever you're at. I've, I've heard stories of somebody who says yes to Christ, and within days, uh, that person is touching other people's lives because it's so fresh in their life. And you think, wow, that person really didn't have long enough to kind of know, know all the rules and all the ideas. Well, that's absolutely right. Sometimes uh, we get so instant because we've known Christ for so long, we, uh, in a sense, just it's not, it's not an awe anymore. So this idea of whoever we are can point to Christ is just, uh, just fantastic. And we see how this transformed the world. Acts is written by uh, Dr. Luke. Luke and Acts at one time were together, uh, but they separated it because of the changes. And uh, so you've got, uh, this is when the church gets going, and Luke was more about life of Christ, and so you see that switch. So you got to remember, Luke is a doctor, so he's very exact. So he says, the word of God kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued greatly. Uh, Then we read, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, it's moving out, enjoyed peace, and continued to increase. And what's kind of interesting about this is there was a moment where there was too much peace. 
And they stopped uh, getting the gospel out. Life got comfortable. Life got wonderful. They were doing their church thing. And all of a sudden, uh, the wor- their world got turned upside down. And there's something called persecution. And the church kind of broke out of Jerusalem and went to all these places. because They were kind of like running for their life. And uh, the thought is, is that because they just kind of sat on it, God had to push them out. So they enjoyed peace for a while, which is great, but they kind of just settled in, and uh, the gospel, the good news, wasn't really the passion of their lives. The word of the Lord continued to grow and be multiplied. Uh, So the churches were being strengthened in their faith and were increasing in number daily. And that same God who was working back in the beginning of Acts is the same God that's working here today. And you and I don't have the burden of sharing the good news. It's not a weighty thing. It's an honor thing for God to take who you are, where you're at, and plug you into his story so you can start being a part of one of these good news spreaders. And uh, it's a little detached, but even doing this, when you put a little note in there to whoever that box gets to, those people are getting those notes. I saw some pictures there. I thought that was really cool. Who this is from is starting to touch people's lives. But it's... It's, yes, out there, but it's around us as we live. Uh, The way we say it here is we talk about making a difference wherever you are. And we want to make a lasting difference. This is more than just being a good neighbor. Being a good neighbor is good, but eventually people need to know why you're being a good neighbor. And hopefully you're being a good neighbor so they get a vibe, they get an idea, they get some comments about Jesus in your life. So we make a difference wherever you are by leading people into a growing relationship with God through Christ. And we can't lead somebody into a place that we're not. Uh, That kind of leadership none of us like. None of us like a leader that is telling us to do certain things and they're not involved in it themselves. We want a leader that's doing it and leading us by their actions, not just their, their wording, not just their instructions. So you and I lead others into a growing relationship with God through Christ because we're doing it too. And there's this idea that goes along. Some of us have heard of this. Uh, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And again, sometimes we think, oh, that was just for the disciples. That was just for those people. But when he calls, he calls all of us to be in this way of fishing for people. Uh, I'd like to show you a clip from uh, the the, um, Chosen. Uh, They do a really good job at just putting ideas together. Uh, Some places, yes, they're filling in the blanks, but uh, they do a real good job to kind of give us some kind of picture of what was going on when people were getting called to follow him and become fisher of men. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. Take that side! No! 
God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am, the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. Fish are nothing. You have much bigger things ahead of you, Simon, son of Jonah. Did you understand that parable I told earlier? From now on, I will make you fishers of men. And you are to gather as many as possible, all kinds. I will sort them out later. Isn't that awesome? Just gives you a little glimpse. You can get that, download that free, and watch the whole series. It uh, just uh, kind of really moves my heart. Again, they're, they're interpreting the stories, putting things together, and there's nothing wrong with that, if you understand that. Uh, but just trying to imagine what's going on. And I love how Peter, Simon, gets to that place where he says, I am a sinner, drops to his knees, and what does Jesus do? He eventually crouched down, looks at him in the eye, and said, follow me. And really, in a one way, all of us have to come to that point in our lives where we see who we are, we see who we're not, we see that we are sinners, that we're out of step with God, we're disobedient to him, and we say, Jesus, you know, take me as I am, if you will, and Jesus does, and then says, follow me and be a fisher of men. And that fisher of men is for all of us if we said yes to Christ. Uh, in some way, you can be a part of fishing for other people. And uh, if we're going to do that, we need to share our lives. And I love what uh, Paul writes about in Colossians 2, 
uh, verses 2 through 6, and he kind of unpacks a little bit this idea of what you and I need to be doing when we're sharing our life, when we're pointing to the good news, when we're pointing to the gospel, when we're explaining it, not just with our life, but also with our words. Devote yourself to prayer, be watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the message of Christ or the mystery of Christ. And the mystery of Christ isn't that it's a mystery, it's just unbelievable. Why would God do this? That just blows my mind. Why would God care about me? The mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Paul's in prison when he's writing this. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, people outside of faith. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You see, you and I are called to share our life. This is who we are. If you're a Christ follower, this is who you are to be. And we are to share our life, pointing to the gospel, explaining the gospel, and we need to be uh, in this kind of rhythm of life. And um, he talks about this. So the first thing we need to do is we need to be prepared spiritually, to spiritually prepare. Now, when I say this, I'm a little cautious about saying this because some of us will say, oh, I need to wait until I'm prepared. Well, when are you going to be prepared? You just keep waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. No, the idea of being spiritually prepared is on a rhythm of life, a daily part of life. Uh, some people who have been new to Christ in days start touching other people's lives. They don't know all the things. They don't know all the little ins and outs of everything, but they know that Jesus has touched their life, so now they want to see others be touched by the same thing they've been touched. So uh, this idea of spiritual preparation, don't let that hold you back from engaging. Don't let that be an excuse. But you ought to still prepare spiritually. Pray diligently. That's a daily thing. Stay alert with your eyes, wide open in gratitude. Uh, when you and I pray, we start to see that, uh, you know, this idea of growing, a uh, growing relationship with God. And that is so important. We start to know him, know him well. God joins us our lives through the Holy Spirit, and we start, in a sense, living with him, and he's living with us, and we start to understand who he is, and, and you get to the place where you can start, in a sense, almost finishing his sentences for him, because he finishes your sentences for you. It's like when you first get married, and a little time goes on, you start to know and know, and you start to finish each other's sentences. You know what the other person's thinking. Sometimes that can get in, you into trouble, because you really don't, but a lot of times you do know what the other person's thinking. And when I thought of that, it made me think of the Newlywed Show. Remember that the Newlywed game? And uh, it was funny. I was looking for clips for it. And now I know why my parents didn't let me watch that when I was a little boy. It's kind of like dirty in places. But anyway, this, this will kind of explain to you without the dirt. Will your husband say his mother has lived? Gloria. Ten decades. Ten decades. <laughs> Gentlemen, how many decades has your mother lived? Daryl, you have a troubled look on your face. What's the matter? Oh, I don't know what a decade is. What is fourth birthday? So she'd be good. At four years, a decade. She'd be ten decades. Ten decades. They're totally wrong, yet they know how each other thinks. Totally wrong. I mean, he's adding up all the stuff, and he's, it's not 10 decades, but he's, and they're right. See, they knew each other so well. And when you and I grow in our relationship with God, 
knowing how he's working in our life, knowing him well, we start to be able to just kind of respond that way. We know what's up. We know how to respond. And involved in that is being consistent. We need to be consistently spending time with God. Prayer, Bible reading, uh, Sunday mornings is not enough. Sunday mornings with community groups or community Bible study is not enough. We need to be consistently spending time with God. We need to be uh, walking with him, learning from him, so that as time starts to go on, and it's amazing how quick this can happen if you're really sensitive to him and is sensitive to him in your life, you will start to anticipate what he wants you to do because he's leading you and you get it right. And you start to see this, especially when it comes to sharing your faith, sharing your life, sharing the gospel. It's amazing when you put yourself into that arena, you start to see God showing up and you just kind of know how to navigate that. I've said it before, I can remember sharing and, and, and my words don't seem right to me. I can't believe the person that I'm talking with is actually buying it. And in my mind, I'm going, they really believe this stuff. They're getting ready to say yes to Christ. Do you want to pray? Do you want to talk? Yes, I do. I'm like, I can't, I can't believe it. They're just doing it. But it's this, this synergy that happens when you and I are consistent with our walk with him. It overflows into our daily living. Also, we need to be responsive. And that kind of goes along with that. We just know we're responsive. Uh, if you've been married for a little while, you know what your spouse wants and you can almost anticipate it before she or he asks. And it's great when you're responsive and you just take care of something for your spouse. It's a, it's a way of showing love. Um, this summer, I've shared this before, uh, that we went, uh, took the kids who are not really kids anymore, but let's call them kids, took the kids to um, Singer Island. And one of the cool, freaky things about Singer Island is there's all these passages behind the walls. And the reason there's all these passages behind the walls isn't so someone could sneak into somebody's room and kill them. It was that they, you know, like a movie, it was so that they, the servants could be not seen, but act immediately on what was needed. And uh, it was really interesting, in the dining room, along the top, there were these little vents, and there was this one little picture that was, had a creepy face, and uh, people could stand behind those things and see what was needed at the dinner table. So this person's having this big meal, and there might be 20 people eating, and they're up looking down, and they would all of a sudden realize that this person's about to run out of water. And they would send somebody down there, and the person would be kind of talking, oh, I'm getting low on water, turn over to talk to somebody, look back, and their water glass was totally filled. How'd that happen? The servants were so responsive. It is a pleasure to be walking with God, and this isn't for the spiritual elite, whoever those people are. It's a pleasure to be walking with God and have him speaking to your heart and leading and to be that responsive. It makes life so exciting. It makes life fun. You know, what did, what did Jesus say to Peter? Fish or nothing. Some of us have our fish in our life, whatever you want to call that, and our fish really aren't wow enough, compelling enough, but we continue to try to invest our life in the fish. And Jesus is saying, "Is your fish is nothing. Yeah, enjoy the fish, eat the fish, whatever, but, but don't be captivated by them. Be responsive to me. There's also the idea of being thankful. When you and I have this attitude of gratitude, when we're just thankful, it just changes everything. When you roll out of bed in the morning and you are thankful, 
for whatever. It just changes your day. And it's just not positive thinking. It's actually being thankful to the King of Kings for being a part of your life and providing in your life and uh, providing whatever. And as we watch those videos about the kids that get these little boxes, those kids have joy, their families have joy. There's gratitude for a little box that you with your spare change, most of us, are putting together and sending off. And it, 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 has, a, it has an unbelievable impact in their lives. And they're thankful and they're grateful. And so if you want to be prepared, if you want to be growing in your relationship with God, there needs to be this thankfulness. Also, we need to understand open doors. And Open Doors needs a few things. We're going to look at a few verses here. Also, pray for us. Pray that God will give us an opportunity to help people his message. I'm in prison for doing this. But pray that we can continue to tell people the mystery of Christ that God has made known. Pray that I will say what is necessary to make this truth clear to everyone. Unbelievable again that... uh, uh, Paul wants prayer. I would think he could just kind of roll with doing what's right without even just checking in with God. He just knows, but yet he does it. We see Jesus doing the same thing when he slips away to spend time with the Father. That wasn't just an academic exercise. That was he wanted to be in sync with the Father. So when open doors, when needs that he was supposed to meet would come his way, he would do it. You remember, Jesus didn't meet all the needs. He met the needs that his father wanted him to meet. So that obviously involves prayer. We need to pray for open doors. I love it when I'm in this mindset and I pray for an open door because all of a sudden they just start showing up. They can show up in little ways, big ways, all kinds of different ways, and, and they just start showing up. Uh, we also need the courage to go along with that. Sometimes we need courage. Uh, Paul even seems like he's praying for a little bit or asking prayer for courage to say the thing when he should say the thing. And, and sometimes it can, be, it can get a little awkward. We, we wonder if we should, in a sense, drop a little Jesus in our conversation or in our text message or in our email or, or whatever. You know, so we do something nice. We're being a good neighbor. And uh, we want the person to realize the reason we're being a good neighbor isn't because we're such a great neighbor. It's because we're trying to follow Christ. And we try to figure that out and lead in. And where do we say... Yeah, it's because, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I felt God wanted me to do this, to be a part of that. I, I remember when we were, uh, got all those stimulus checks. Remember getting those, all those stimulus checks? And uh, we were in a good place, so like some of us, we didn't really need that money, did we? But uh, we could use it, so one of our stimulus checks, we brought it over to a neighbor, and, and I just said, you know, uh, this is not Cindy and me. This is God leading us to do this. Uh, you need it, it seems. Let us help you out because we don't need it. We're just going to spend it on stuff that we don't need. I mean, that'd be nice to have, but we don't need it. And sometimes you need the courage to add that other piece in there. And then he prays for clarity, again, to know when to act, when not to act. I think God wants to go with you. It's the family business. He'll be with you. He wants to be a part of the process. And I love when I'm aware that he's a part of the process. He gives us clarity clarity on how to uh, explain. So the question we got to ask ourselves is how prepared are we? How bad do we want it? Um, a friend of mine was taking this test and it affects their livelihood and they didn't want to leave it up for chance. So they did all the preparation because they weren't going to leave it up for chance. They just weren't going to kind of stumble in and take this test to get this certification. And uh, sometimes you and I, when it comes to our faith, just kind of like 
take God being very gracious and just kind of stumble in rather than being prepared. We ought to be prepared. Again, preparation isn't this thing that causes you not to act, but it causes you to think about each day and be ready and to think about that. Also, there's this idea of being relational, and sharing life takes relational perception. And so we need to see what's going on. We need to have a relational intelligence. Be wise in the way you act with those who are non-believers. Use your time in the best way you can. Uh, just trying to think about what's going on in this person's life. If we're going to try to point them to Christ, what would be appropriate? What isn't appropriate? I can remember one time uh, we invited a, a friend to church, and uh, I shared it with a couple other friends, and uh, they weren't thinking clearly, I'm going to say. This person was not a Christ follower, but they were going to come to church, and this person shows up, and the first thing they say to this person when they see him is go, hey, I heard you got invited to church. Never knew him and said, hey, I didn't know you're a Christian. And the person's like, uh, 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 you know, it just, just wasn't the right thing to say in the right way. There was the right meaning, there was the right intent, but they just weren't, uh, you know, ha- didn't have a good relational perception. Uh, they really didn't have a good relational aptitude. So that also needs to be a part of us being ready to share. And then it involves leveraging our opportunities. And I think we're going to have opportunities. I love in Ephesians where it talks about being saved by grace, uh, having a relationship with grace, not works of yourself. And then it goes down to the next verse. And what does it say? It says, he prepares um, good works for us to do in advance. And so he's got these opportunities. We just need to have our antenna up waiting for these opportunities when they come across our path and then acting on them. I love the fact uh, that he does that. Use your heads. This is kind of the way Eugene Peterson translates verse 5. Use your heads as you live and work among outsiders. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. And that's really what we're talking about here. Next, we need direct participation. We need to actually be involved in someone's life. I love what Howard Hendricks says. He says, you can impress people from a distance, but you can impact them only up close. So we got to get outside of our holy bubbles if we're in one of those, and we need to be engaged with the people around us. Uh, we can look like we are got our life semi-together because we're following Christ, but the real way we impact is to be involved in someone's life, to be a part of their life. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So a part of that process is this idea of grace, not judgment. Uh, you accept the person where they're at. God accepts them where they're at. God's accepted you where you're at. Uh, he doesn't want to leave you there because he wants to have you have a fuller experience, this chapter of life. But don't be judgmental. Have a grace. The more you're involved with this, the more you're aware of this, you're going to be involved with people that have things in their life that are difficult. Messy a little bit. Be okay with that. Bring grace, not judgment, to those conversations, to those relationships. Taste, not tasteless. We've already talked about that idea of salt. Salt brings out the flavors of whatever you salt. It doesn't replace the flavor. If you put too much salt, all you do is taste salt, but you're trying to taste whatever you salt better. So in your conversations, as you're preparing, as you're thinking about how to answer someone, how to include Christ into your conversation, make sure it's not tasteless. And then also the idea of answers, not arguments. 
know, people need to know what we're for. We've talked about this before, but this idea of answers, not arguments. You're not looking to, to have a uh, debate where you walk away and go, yeah, I really showed them I'm right, and they just never want to talk to you about faith again. It's about answers, not arguments. It's about some humility. It's about having that grace. It's about having taste, not tastelessness. So as we think about this, we need to, you know, just understand where we're, where we're at, where we're, we're coming down from. If we're if this is us, we need to be using our life to point to Christ, to spread the gospel, the good news. We need to be good at being evangelical evangelism, not a political voting block, but evangelism as in getting the message out. So as we think about this, our bottom line for this morning is this. We need to be good news before we can point to the good news. So when you think about the people in your life, do they look at you, oh, here comes bad news, Debbie Downer or whatever, or do they look at you as good news? You need to be good news. It doesn't mean you water something down. It doesn't mean you fake something. But there's a way to be good news before you and I can point to the good news. Would you pray with me? Grace Heavenly Father, we thank you that somebody in our life, maybe recently or way back, was good news to us. And because they were good news to us, we saw the good news. It pointed us in that direction. Father, help us to be that kind of person. Help us to be people that really share our lives, opening up the door to sharing you with them. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning that has never placed their trust in you, never made that good news good news for them personally, we ask even in this moment they would say yes to you, invite you into their life, accept uh, the wonderful grace of your son dying for our sins, the forgiveness that comes along with that, and begin their walk with you today, we pray. So, Lord, we thank you that we can be together. We thank you we can celebrate this good news, and we can leave this place and share this good news as we go about our daily lives. So help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.